This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcasts to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington. You're listening to American Family Radio. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us today. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net's our website. You can also download the app for free, the American Family Radio app on your app store. It's free. Just download the app. You can listen anywhere that you would like as long as you have an internet connection. And um, lastly, you can... um, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in Exposing Washington, click the subscribe button, and you'll get um, the show downloaded each week there on your mobile device or your computer. Jumping right into the news of the week, uh, we're about a week out from the Well, we're less than a week out from the Georgia Senate special election that's going to take place on January 5th. And then the day after that, on January 6th, Wednesday, January 6th, is the certification where Congress is supposed to certify the election results. And then January 20th brings in the inauguration of the next president. And so a lot of the news is uh, discussing those two topics. The Senate race in Georgia is going to be interesting because what we saw in November, on November 3rd, what we saw there was the the election laws, the election regulations changed, altered, um, weakened in order to benefit fraudulent illegal voting, whether it be uh, massive mail-in voting or uh, the failure to match and verify signatures on uh, the ballots on the envelopes. Um, There's multiple areas of concern. The the lack of or the failure for poll workers and supervisors to allow poll watchers in the different polling locations there in Georgia. There was uh, the, the counting of ballots after hours, after they had already closed down the Fulton County convention center, they counted ballots hours after they were supposed to have closed down the counting for the night. 
So you've got all these issues, major issues, some of them illegal. And so really the the question before us is, is this, are we going to see a repeat of the chaos come Tuesday? Are we going to see a repeat of the illegal activity come Tuesday? I think we all hope that we don't, but it's going to be something we'll just have to wait and see what happens on Tuesday. You know, the the Congress has um, passed a couple bills this, this past week. They, they passed and the president signed both the budget, the omnibus budget bill, that funds the government for fiscal year 2021 until September of 2021. And then the president also signed this COVID relief bill, this COVID relief legislation that does many things. Uh, Some of it sends money overseas to foreign governments, hundreds of millions, some in the billions. And, uh, it, it does things like pays for more vaccines. It uh, sends $600 to every eligible American uh, across the country. Uh, it does various, really gets too complicated. The, the legislation was over 5,000 pages. And so that was signed into law by the president. And there's this interesting battle going on in Washington where you have many Republicans who have historically been against, or at least they've talked as if they're against big government spending. And here we are as a country spending money that we literally don't have. But the thing about it is This is not a new fight. This is not a new topic. This is not a new struggle. (laughs) For years now, decades, over a decade, let's just say that, for over a decade, Congress has been printing money that they literally don't have. And they didn't they haven't just done it on a few occasions. They've done it virtually on every spending occasion with no plan to pay back the money that they are borrowing. And what makes this so absurd is if we if we compare it to how you and I have to conduct our lives, our finances. When we borrow money, in order to borrow money, in order to even begin discussing the borrowing of money as an average American, you automatically have to have the discussion of when you're going to pay it back. That's a fundamental process that everyone takes part in when it comes to borrowing money. Whether you would like to borrow money for a vehicle 
and you're going to pay it off, I don't know, in let's say three years or five years, you're contractually bound to pay off that asset, that vehicle, in X amount of years. The sooner, the better. When you purchase a home, you finance it for 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and you're contractually bound to pay off that home in whatever the contract says. But that's not how things work in Washington. Instead, they print money and borrow money that they literally have no plan of paying back. And very few are discussing even the possibility of paying the debt back. And so we're seeing this this train is finally beginning to meet the end of the track. And I'm not projecting some kind of doomsday scenario like Ron Paul seems to do every other day, but we've, we're to a point where the, the, the Republicans are being called on their bluff. What is the bluff? The bluff is that Republicans for years have seemed to care about or at least acted like they care about big government spending when in reality what the Trump administration revealed is that Republicans are just as fine with spending money as Democrats are as long as it's for things that they want. Because let's face it, the Trump administration has been one of the biggest spenders in American history. And you could say, well, we had the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, but come on now. (laughs) The big spending under President Trump was happening even before the coronavirus pandemic. And so by Republicans proving to be hypocrites not consistently being willing to fight for fiscal restraint, fiscal responsibility, they have virtually disqualified themselves from future discussion about whether a trillion dollars or two trillion dollars is too much to spend. And if Republicans can't raise concerns about big government spending, and Democrats sure aren't going to do it, (laughs) then that leaves nobody left to raise concerns about big government spending. Senator Rand Paul raised these concerns. He's actually one of the few that's been pretty consistent on this issue. Let's listen to Senator Rand Paul talk about out-of-control spending. Clip two, let's listen. How bad is our fiscal situation? Well, the federal government brought in 3.3 trillion last year and spent 6.6 trillion. The deficit last year, a record busting 3.3 trillion dollars. If you're looking for more COVID bailout money, we don't have any. The coffers are bare. We have no rainy day fund. We have no savings account. Congress has spent all the money long ago. The economic damage from this pandemic 
is not the reason for this runaway spending. This spending's been going on for decades. Every year, even before we get to all the extra COVID-free money, we've been spending a trillion dollars we don't have. Today's money is gone. So Congress is spending tomorrow's money. The spending chart is a red line of red ink that goes on forever. When we talk about spending tomorrow's money, it's, just not, it's not just the money that we need next month, it's the money we might need in a decade. It's the money we will need in one, two, three generations for now. For national defense, for infrastructure. This is the money that your children and your grandchildren will pay back with interest. Well, there you have it. Senator Rand Paul bringing some sanity to the discussion. And, you know, uh, when I'm talking about President Trump and his administration, you know, being pretty liberal spenders, I'm I'm really – it's a joint effort between the Trump administration and Congress because, look, in order for the government to pass spending legislation – uh, both Congress, both houses of Congress, this House and the Senate, and the White House all have to agree on legislation, and they all have to pass it. It passes the House, it passes the Senate, and the president signs it. So the big spending is not just the fault of the House of Representatives or not just the fault of the Senate or not just the fault of President Trump. It's really a joint responsibility. And to, to the Trump administration's credit, they have put forth very good budget proposals out of the White House. But the problem is, is that Congress literally follows none of the proposals put forth by the White House. President Trump's Office of Management and Budget spend hours and hours, days and days, probably weeks, putting together a budget proposal well before the budget's actually due, and Congress ignores every last bit of the budget proposal, and instead they put in whatever junk they want to pass. And that's how we continually get out-of-control, pork-ridden, legislation that spends money all over the place that we don't have. And the only thing left now is some kind of economic situation which forces our country to wake up to what we're doing and to what we have done. And it really, this situation really opens the door wide for Democrats, should they take over, God forbid, the Senate and the House and the White House, it opens the door for them to spend money even more rapidly than the Republicans have, which is would be hard to beat, but don't put it past them. Shifting on to a few other topics, you know, American Family Association has been very engaged in the fight 
the battle for election integrity. And we've even been urging our supporters to contact their state officials, their state legislatures, our state legislators, and urge them to fix illegal voting, fix these voting irregularities, investigate the voter fraud so that we can have integrity in our elections. And on that topic, we have the the January 6th deadline where Congress is set to certify the election results. And there are some, some conservatives, some Republicans, who are urging Vice President Pence to set aside the electoral votes from states where the election results are disputed from a legal standpoint. Congressman Louis Gohmert even put forth, uh, launched a lawsuit against Vice President Pence trying to force the vice president to ignore or set aside the electoral votes from Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Michigan. The danger here that I see is placing this much control, this much power in the hands of one person. This person being the presiding officer over this joint session of Congress. We, uh, we, when I say we, conservatives have had weeks upon weeks, over well over a month, to litigate and to expose all of the illegal voting across the country. And I think the Trump campaign has done a very good job exposing the illegal behavior that has taken place all across the country. And I am 100% in favor of using every legal avenue to expose illegal voting and rectify the wrong that has been done. And I think state legislatures are the number one path to rectifying what has been done. I think state legislatures across the country where illegal voting has taken place should immediately convene and fix the broken systems and rein in the out-of-control governors and other state officials who are messing with election law on their own unconstitutionally. But what I think is inappropriate is trying to, to urge and pressure and sue and litigate to get the vice president to, in my opinion, unconstitutionally disregard the 12th Amendment and to basically go rogue and not count certain states that he 
doesn't like the results coming out of those states. I think that sets a very, very dangerous precedent to where in future years and future administrations, other presiding officers could throw out, for example, the electoral votes from Texas or Florida or Georgia or North Carolina. The way the system works and the way the process works from a constitutional standpoint is the vice president is supposed to open all electoral votes on January 6th. And the 12th Amendment explicitly uses the the word all. So in my opinion, the vice president doesn't have the authority to pick and choose which envelopes, which electoral envelopes he opens on January 6th. The 12th Amendment clearly says all envelopes. Now, that doesn't mean that senators and congressmen can't object to the electoral votes. They 100% have the authority to object to the votes. They can dispute the results on the House floor and actually call for a full vote amongst the House and the Senate on whether a certain state's votes, electoral votes, should be accepted or not. That is a perfectly legitimate, legal, and constitutional way to do things. Speaking of that, Senator Josh Hawley says that he will object on the floor of the House. He will object to to the Electoral College certification of Joe Biden on January 6th. There are many congressmen, House members, who have said they will object to the January 6th Electoral College certification. That is a legal process. That is a legal way to do things. But in my opinion, demanding the vice president set aside votes, certified votes from various states, asking him to do that would be violating the 12th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Moving on to someone I disagree with, John Bolton, former National Security Advisor to President Trump, now a never-Trumper, He was on CNN trying to convince us, the public, that there was, quote, no systemic fraud in the election. Let's listen. There's no evidence of systematic fraud that benefited Joe Biden in this election. People can talk about it all they want. Uh, They have failed in courts. They have failed in administrative proceedings. They have failed under state law. Uh, So you've either got to say there was no systematic fraud or Donald Trump had the worst legal team in the history of Western civilization. This is a complete sham, and I think anybody who tries to to stop the count of the electoral votes or try and 
disrupted on January the 6th will embarrass himself in history. See, that, that's where I disagree. First off, John Bolton's wrong. There is widespread evidence of systemic fraud in multiple states. We've talked about the evidence. We've shown the American public the evidence. The evidence is overwhelming, and it's clear, and it's undisputable. And elected officials in Congress have the constitutional authority and actual, actually they have the constitutional duty to object to illegal or fraudulent electoral votes in Congress. That is what the January 6th certification of the election is for, is to dispute any tainted results. Senator Josh Hawley and others say that they will do just that. And so we'll see uh, how that plays out on Wednesday, and we'll cover it here on the show a week from today. And if you want to read more about the, the overwhelming evidence of illegal voting, you can go to our website, afa.net, afa.net, and we have a very lengthy blog and detailed blog there, which outlines all of these proven cases of illegal voting. A few other stories I wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up the show. The... Um, the, the story, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show, that the case out in, uh, the election out in Georgia that we have upcoming this week, this upcoming week, is really critical um, to the future of American policy, really, because you have, the, the Democrats barely have the, the majority in the House. If, if things go how they, they're appearing to go, you will have a a Biden administration come late January, uh, st- stopping anything short of of a miracle, and the Senate the Senate race is critical in Georgia because should the two Democrats there pick up the seats in Georgia, flip the seats in Georgia. That would give us a 50-50 split Democrat-Republican in the U.S. Senate, which would mean the vice, the potential vice president, Kamala Harris, would be able to have the tie-breaking vote. And we've seen how forceful the Democrats are when it comes to getting their agenda done. They are willing to do anything and everything to get their dangerous agenda passed in Congress. That's what makes the Georgia Senate race so important for conservatives. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. We'll be back next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.